Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. It is the penultimate edition of Wildcat Insider for the 2022-2023 academic year. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. I'm Mitch Fortner. With the Hall of Fame voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berklin is ready to go to work after this work. And he joins us on the board across the glass. 537-1350 is our number. I'll just tell you out front right now, we're only with you until 5 o'clock. I'm heading out the door. So is Wyatt, but I'm heading out the door to head to Toynton Family Stadium. The Batcats take it on Creighton to finish up their home-and-home series uh, with the Blue Jays. And first pitch tonight, 6.02, pregame coverage at 5.30 here on News Radio KMAN as uh, K-State loses 2 of 3 to the Texas Longhorns this past weekend. First of all, uh, I want to bring up the Masters for just a moment. My biggest takeaway is this is like supposed to be the most glorious place to go play golf. It's like the Mecca I don't know if that's true or not, but to me, it kind of feels that way. It's the most unique uh, environment with when it comes to the rules of Augusta and the concession stands and, um, you know, like the merch stand, how much money they make over there with the cheap concession stands. Yet, for some reason, they can't keep trees in the ground. <laughs> it is a little bit of a unique thing, isn't it? We were talking off air about it is one of the great golf tournaments in the world. It, it, I guess it depends on your flavor if you think it's the best the chocolate or whatever uh but but uh i think you could argue that all day long what they do have probably as much as any golf tournament at least in this country is just the experience of you know everybody saying it's the elite of the elite right Mm -hmm. i mean i think that's kind of the deal cbs promotes it that way um, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's an incredible deal. I've talked to several people over the years. It's kind of on my bucket list to go. I've never been, but I've talked to some that have gone, including Chris Kleiman, by the way, oh. uh, and Kenny Lanou from our staff. I know those guys have gone. Gene Taylor has gone, I think. Um, and they say it's every bit as cool as you think it might be. Um, and and um, But, yeah, I, th- I think the trees uprooted – 
uh, kind of was a new twist, my man. No, well, no doubt about that. Uh, if I were to go to the mat, talk to Bill, who works here at the radio station. Oh, he's he went been. too? He's Is that been. right? Yes, he has. Yeah. Uh, I have I have applied for tickets multiple times, but it's for people that you know Paul that works here. Uh-huh. Uh, big big golf guy. I believe he goes golfing with Courtney Messingham once in a while. Okay, Mess can uh, hit it a little bit. Yeah, He's that's why I hear. Yeah, uh, I was reading that. As a matter of fact, I got a couple of emails that like Kansas is the fourth best state to retire in if you're a big golfer. Hmm. Interesting. So, I didn't realize that. Yeah, a lot of great golf courses, I guess, around here. I'm not a golfer. But if I were to go to the Masters, I think the very last thing I would expect when visiting such a beautiful landscape like Augusta is a tree, like those giant trees falling down mm-hmm. around me. And I talk about that's one of the scariest things you could probably think about happening around there because trees don't make a whole lot of noise when they fall. It's the impact that's that makes all the noise. Yeah. You know, so if somebody catches it. Yeah, you the know? noise isn't when it's falling, it's yeah. when it hits. And, and I would beg to differ a little bit on big trees. I think we're talking more, not that big? more tall than they are wide. They were relatively, trunk-wise, relatively thinnish. I'll say. Okay. Yeah. But still impactful. I mean, when you've, you've got any tree of any size falling like that, and I said trees, not tree. Yeah. You know, there were multiple ones. And I think in multiple locations, right? Uh, well, I guess so. Was it more than one? I, I only saw the video of the... I, I'm assuming it was two that went down there almost mm-hmm. simultaneous. Um, yeah, it was it was unique, and it was a weird tournament because of the weather, uh, and just the you know, trying to. I mean, being Easter weekend like it always is, or, or most always, and things going on. I, I had uh, you know football practice on Saturday, and you know traveling a little bit on Easter to, to see family and stuff. I didn't. I was following it on my phone, but I didn't watch nearly as much of it as I normally do. And part of that was weather. Part of that was just being busy. So it was it was unique. Why well, I only got you for an hour, so let's jump into K-State let's football here. The topic last week, of course, was K-State's defense. Joe Klanerman up to the microphone first. He's your defensive coordinator and also secondary coach, uh, safeties coach, rather. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes up to the mic, and the you know the big topic right off the bat, and I, I think we knew this w- would be it, is just you know developing the depth. Of course, replacing some guys. There's a couple of position battles. I would say nose guard is one of them. Uh, Sam Linebacker would be another one. And, of course, the corners, because you're replacing Julius Prince and Echo Boydo, who had been just amazing starters the last couple of years for K-State. Trying to solidify or trying to find guys that can get you three deep mm-hmm. at some very key positions on the defense. And I thought you know, a, a, a very important thing that was mentioned during the press conference was early on. That was especially when we, what happened with the secondary. Later in the season – Guys are getting hurt, and they're getting hurt for the rest of the year. And things got a little bit slim there for the safety positions. Sure. And so what they're trying to work on now is to make sure they don't run into that kind of issue again. Well, I think this is an odd way to say it probably, but sometimes when you have multiple injuries in a position or two, at the time it weakens you. But somebody's got to step up and go, right? And now we look ahead to this coming season and think about what that did for some young and or inexperienced players, whether it's you know free safety, strong safety, jack safety, the two corner positions, whatever it might be. And you could name several guys that got quite a bit of experience either last year or this spring that will be you know pretty important pieces 
uh, as we get closer to the fall because you do lose Echo Boydo and Julius Brents and Drake Cheatham and Josh Hayes. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. But think about last year, the experience um, collected by a guy like, uh, let's just throw out a couple of names. Let's, let's start with V.J. Payne and then obviously at corner, Josh Perry. So those guys played a lot of football, meaningful stuff. That will benefit them moving forward. And there's lots of competition, lots of, you know, either guys making their way for the first time or maybe a newcomer like a Nikendre Steiger. Well, he's probably a, maybe not necessarily the best example here. Maybe I would, yeah, Steiger would be okay, but, but I, I think even Marquis Siegel should be mentioned probably first because Steiger's coming yeah. back from injury. And transfer. He, yeah, and a transfer. And I, I think he could be another one of those Joe Klanderman, you know, transfer in. Boom, maybe be a starter kind of guy. We'll see. Well, Joe Klanderman mentioned during the press conference last week corners, the cornerback position, trying to replace Echo and Julius Prince. Probably not going to have concrete starters heading into the season. It's going to be by committee for a while. I don't know why. We've got there we go. several guys at our office. I think that uh, Will Lee, as a transfer guy, is getting more and more comfortable. He'll have a big role in that. Same kind of thing. Will just still not quite certain about how we do things, but he is flashing. Jacob Parrish has kind of been steady Eddie. His biggest deal is he's put on a significant amount of weight, and I think for the first couple practices he was learning to deal with that, and I think since he started to feel a little bit more comfortable with his body, I'm noticing him more and more out there. Um, Omar Daniels has been, you know, a guy that has seen snaps. You know, I mean, there's a there's there's a number of guys there, Darrell Jones, Jordan Wright, that are all good enough to play in the Big 12. That is a typical conversation, what we just heard from from Klanderman about, all right, so where are we looking at depth-wise for position? You're going to throw out a lot of names that have looked good or might have an opportunity to prove themselves to maybe get on that three deep. And he mentioned, I mean, right off the bat, Will Lee. I think Will Lee is, might be my favorite transfer that I'm looking forward to seeing. Iowa Western Community College transfer, national championship winner. Uh, did very well this last year in his only year at the JUCO level, and his ability to go play some defensive back for K State will probably be in there right away. One, you know, probably first string. I, that's my prediction, and I'm I'm really excited to see him play because he's super talented. Well, we had mentioned Jacob Parrish earlier, and and of course Coach Klanderman mentioned him there. Will has been impressive this spring. I will I will tell you unequivocally that's the case. He's long. He's an athlete. He's played a lot of football, <laughs> at least for you know where he's at in the process. Uh, Omar Daniels has played a little bit here. Um, Darrell Jones. He mentioned Jordan Wright, who was a a guy who was a redshirt a year ago. Uh, one guy he did not mention, Justice Clemens, also could be somewhat of a factor in that secondary. So there are bodies, but I, I think he does. Let's repeat what you said a moment ago about maybe multiple guys in those corner positions at least for a while and maybe longer than a while as they kind of try to sort some things out there. Let me ask you this question as we kind of then go into the linebackers here because I think there's a fair question with like Kobe Savage coming back, but he's not available right now. Right. In the fall he will be, but also Daniel Green making the decision to come back. We knew you know Kobe Savage would most likely be coming back. I think he's – was Kobe a, a – junior last yes. year okay so yeah. expecting it definitely Daniel Green was a surprise that he decided to come back after saying at the Sugar Bowl that he was not going to be coming back I mean if you don't have a player like Daniel Green I mean how different do you feel about the defense because I think I'd feel way different about the defense just because 
the the type of leadership that he has. He's 24 years old. He'll be turning tw- 25 right after the season ends, most likely in late December, maybe even early January. Well, he's just played a lot of football. He has a large amount of experience. He's gotten better every single year. He's gotten stronger. He's an explosive, hard-hitting guy who can run at the Mike Linebacker position. That's that's really impressive. I think at his position, I don't think I'm stretching this in any way, shape, or form. He's probably one of the best two or three guys at his position in the Big 12 right now. I really, truly believe that, just based on his abilities and and the experience that he brings to the table. He is a really good football player. And then when you put right there beside him a guy that did so well last year and has also played in some 31 or two games in his career, but really as a front-line guy for the first time last year in Austin Moore, that's pretty good when you have those two guys at the, the Mike and the Will backers. No doubt about it. And I, I'm excited about the, the depth at linebacker, even though some of these guys are still making their way because, I, I mean, I see bigger frames, <laughs> guys that are coming in weighing, you know, 220 or 225 or 230 or 240, and that's, that's, that's a good thing. Mentioned earlier, there's a couple of position battles. One of them is at Sam Linebacker. Here's Joe Klanderman. At Sam right now, we've got a heck of a battle going on between Des Purnell, who's been sensational, Jake Clifton, who's been sensational, who we've tried around at a bunch of different spots, and so he's kind of starting to get into that fight a little bit. And Toby Asensami, who is just starting, I mean, he's going to be a phenomenal player, uh, and we'll find a role for him. He's just so incredibly athletic. So those are three guys right now that have very limited experience but a crazy ton of upside, especially when it comes to the hype that we've been hearing about with the Jay Clifton's, who we did see a little bit here and there and mm-hmm. did play well, I think. Yeah. Toby Osinsami, though, who we saw a little bit on special teams last year, that is a kid that has a crazy amount of upside. Well, let me sound like the biggest homer of all time here, okay? This is the place to do it. I love all three of these guys. I so much respect Des Purnell in moving – you know, from the secondary up closer to the line of scrimmage and putting on good quality weight and maintaining good quality speed. He's a very physical player. He's going to be a factor at that position this year. Jake Clifton really intrigues me because as he fills out and gets bigger and stronger, which he has, you see he has an interesting combination now of better size, good speed, and really good football smarts. And then there's Toby Osinsami, who you will love his frame if you haven't seen much of him yet. Um, And I think he has a ton, let me repeat that, a ton of good football ahead of him. He's going to be really good at K-State. And meanwhile, you also have a battle, I suppose, for... The backup to Austin Moore at the will linebacker position, Rex Van Wy, who yep. I, I thought he might be like kind of the guy to work his way into the strong side, the same linebacker. He's competing for now the will, it sounds like. Also, Gavin Forche, I believe, Forche. Uh-huh. as well, is going to be battling for that position. Yeah, and Gavin got a little bit of a taste last year. He's also gotten stronger, um, certainly has a better feel. I think that's the other thing, too. Now that you're two full years into this 3 3 5 set, you know, guys are more comfortable. Coach has talked about putting more things in and making it more complex and what have you to give teams even more headaches because they've been a pretty good defensive team over the last couple of years. 
and I, I like how they are developing the depth. And, and I, I've said this, you know, since Coach Kleiman's been here, it just seems to me like every year uh, each of those recruiting classes are just a little bit better and a little bit bigger, um, and that's, that's a, a great thing, as we know. Well, I, like I've said multiple times this last week, so lucky to have Daniel Greenback, Austin Moore, who was your leader in tackles last year, had 10 tackles for loss, broke up four passes as a weak side linebacker, which is an amazing number. By the way, used to force some fumbles as well. Oh, sure. That's a great tandem to have back. Speaking of having back, I want to pause this discussion for just a moment because when we come back, I want to talk about the defensive line. We're going to hear from a couple of K-State's coaches, of course, with Buddy Wyatt, defensive ends, uh, Mike Tuiasosopo, who coaches the nose guards, about what's coming back there and the guys we're going to see on the field at nose guard when we come back on Wildcat Insider. Only with you until 5 o'clock. It is Wildcat Insider on K-Man Spring Football Time. Uh, coming up on Wednesday, we're going to hear from Van Malone, who will be the only press conference uh, this week and the next week. I believe it's just climbing. And that'll wrap up all the press stuff for uh, spring football. Yeah, Coach Kleiman, by the way, has been moved from Tuesday to Friday the 21st. Don't know if you remember mm. that on your notes or not, but just uh, mark that down out there, everybody. And I think uh, he's going to be out of town uh, on the 18th and uh, do that on the 21st to kind of wrap up spring football. So, They've had a really good spring to this point, and I know we'll continue talking about it here, but uh, basically this week they'll wrap up spring drills with a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Did I say that right? Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday schedule. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned it during the break. Like, This is a good problem to have because there's a bunch of guys we probably should have talked about that we just didn't get a chance to. Like, Even just mentioning them by name, and this is a good problem to have because, hey, Big 12 champs recruiting well. Yep. And by the way, you got some depth. Especially depth at linebacker. Coach Klanderman uh, said that this is his best linebacker room that he's had since he has arrived in Manhattan. Derek Young from Case State Alliance said this is the probably the best room K State's had since he has started covering the Cats in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you didn't you say you feel like there's probably eight guys right now? Yeah, in the it, rotation, a- absolutely guys that I well at least where you think, hey, if we had to, we could count on these guys. And I may even be leaving a, a little bit of a name or two out here, but you have, I'll just run through a few here. Daniel Green, Terry Kirksey, who we didn't mention before, who's yeah. a transfer from Hutch. Then you got Rex Van Wy, the Iowa Central transfer, Jake Clifton, Des Purnell, Austin Moore, Toby Osinsami, and then a freshman who they really like. His name is Austin Romain from yeah. Hillsboro, Missouri. So uh, that... Shout it, to the Trojans. Oh, yeah. And that's that's all good. We were talking about the secondary a moment ago, and, and this kind of shows you you know, why they're excited. Uh, we didn't even really mention that much about Keenan Garber, who probably has improved as much as anybody just <laughs> because he's playing corner now, not wide receiver, right? I mean, he switched in late in the year last year. Most people didn't even know it. The next thing you know, he's out there and played a role in the championship game, and he's looked really good this spring. He can run. He has good instincts. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him. Didn't Klanerman say like they had thirty six hours to get him ready yeah. to be to to play some corner just in case? Sure. But, well, and that that goes back to what, where we started there originally. With if you remember going into that deal, um, K State wasn't all that healthy in the secondary oh. going into that championship game, or maybe a little bit better into the Bama game. But 
you know, it was a little dicey there going into the championship game. And then, of course, Echo gets hurt in the game, right? You remember that? Yeah. And so, I mean, you don't, you never want that to happen. But, um, you know, fortunately, he was able to come back and play against Bama. But, man, you, you had to get Jacob Parrish in there. And then, and then they moved Parrish back into the middle. We didn't really mention much of Colby uh McAllister, Kobe McAllister, McAllister yeah. either a while ago, and and I'm telling you, he he's making a name for himself uh, in the secondary this this uh, this spring. No no doubt about that. He's tough, not the biggest guy, but smart and tough. Take that every time, would you? Man, I remember that Big Twelve Championship game sitting up in the press box <laughs> behind the end zone where Ty kicked a game winning field goal, and not only did uh, Echo Boydo go down, but so did Malik Knowles. I was like, God. Please, why are we doing this again? Back to back games with TCU are dropping like flies. Yeah. But this time, man, Keenan Garbo, man, man, he talked about a guy that just stepped in and, and performed so well and needed every bit of it. Uh, man, save the day, kind of. Very much. That was, you know, I've done a lot of football games here. I've been so fortunate that way. And you've, you've been around here a while now. Think about how many really good football games we've had. Mm-hmm. Where would you rank that TCU K State championship game? I mean, it's it's right in the upper, what three or four or five percent. That's the most nervous I've ever been for a game in person. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I was not at the O three game. You know, that was my first ever Big Twelve championship game in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember in the third quarter, and you were like what four in O three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were you? Hey, in I was here a teenager. 03? All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I remember in the third quarter, I think it was the third quarter when Phillip Brooks muffed the punt. That's when it really started to say, because it was a two-score game and sure. then muff punt. You were feeling good right there. You're getting the ball back I was back feeling the fantastic. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden, game on. Yeah. yeah. Things completely changed. Yes. And Phillip made, tried to make a tough play. Just didn't work out. But it did work out at the end. You know, just saving it. You know, got the dramatics worked in there. You know, it's a championship game. Well, that's it. And you also saw even... Fortunately for us, in a losing effort, w- just an amazing effort by their quarterback. Max Duggan was insane in that second half and in the fourth quarter, man. And that that's in part, I think, what made that such an amazing game and such an amazing win for K-State because, wow, they beat a pretty darn good football team. Man. Well, I was so blown away. I was like, he's definitely getting one of my Heisman votes. Oh, I mean, I, that sealed it yeah, up for me. Year. I was like, he's yeah. definitely getting one of my Heisman votes. I can't remember. I, I don't think I voted him first, but I think I put him second. Really? I was like, there's no doubt about it. Um, all right, let's 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 jump now to the defensive line. Uh, I want to play a couple of quick interviews here, about three minutes of, uh, each, with a couple of position coaches. Let's start with the nose guards. Let's first hear from Mike Tuiasasopo from last week, talking about the, uh, the three boys he's got there now. How much... Uh, Faith, do you have an Uso at this point in the way he's come along? No, I, man, we you know shit, we don't have, we don't have many others. You know, he better I better have some faith in him. You know, he's he's really having a good spring. I think he's learning a lot. You know, I think he, you know, he certainly has a lot of ability, but he think he's understanding that he's not anywhere near a finished product. And I'm not saying suggesting that Eli was a Phoenix product, but I can tell you Eli, as I was just telling Wyatt, that he made a lot of plays because he really had played the uh, the game with high-level 
just a high level understanding of the game and knew where the ball was going to be based on blocking schemes. But I've really been pleased with Uso in terms of his development, of, in terms of his technique, and also his understanding. But the big thing, as I was saying, was in our room, the guys, now this is the first time since I've been here that we have not had a senior in my room. And so all the guys are juniors or lower. And the, the cool thing about a guy like Uso you asked about is he's had a year to learn from Eli which there's no value to that <laughs> you know handling himself learning how to play you know and having Eli you know when I'm not around I know what Eli's value was he taught those guys how to conduct themselves how to handle themselves, how to play even like little details so that's kind of where we're at with with a guy like Uso he's really working hard at polishing his craft for those that don't know him how would you describe Javon Banks your newcomer at transfer uh, Javon's played a lot of football and he's played a lot of football at an SEC program. And uh, he has, certainly has the playmaking abilities, which he has shown. And uh, really smart kid, knows how to play. Like I said, playmaking, very crafty, slick rusher. Uh, he's a guy that really has a really high football IQ in terms of understanding where the ball is based on what the offense gives you. Got to have some kind of nastiness to play the nose guard position. Are you kind of seeing that um, now that you've had Uso for a year and you've seen that out of Javon and even yeah. Damian? Have you started to see that from those guys? You know, those guys. I mean, we're talking about Uso, but Damian's had a good spring. You know, there's there's no way around that. You know, I've always said that D linemen are the they better be the toughest guys on your team. Toughness. I'm talking about mental toughness. I'm talking about physical toughness. I'm talking about all the things that encompass toughness. And so it's a different world in there. You know, you're in the middle of the traffic jam all day, every day of your life, every snap. And so you got to know how to play the game and to bring physicality to it, the playmaking and, and, and knowledge. It's a big deal. But, uh, no, all those are Javon is having a good spring. Titus is really improving, getting better. But uh, I feel like I'm in a good place where we are right now, halfway through spring ball. But we got a lot of work yet to do. Yeah, if I was Coach Tui, I would feel pretty good about the three guys that I could potentially rotate in there coming this fall. You know, I've watched Damian Eli Leo play football for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uso Sayamalu is a big dude. He might yeah. be the biggest guy to play nose guard for K-State. I'm not sure when it comes to weight because he's over 340. Yeah, Timmy was a big dude too, but yeah, Hor- yeah, yeah, but but yeah, Uso, Uso's a man. <laughs> you got me curious now. I got to look up Timmy Horn. Okay, Tim, I'm going to guess Timmy weighed maybe three fifteen. They may uh, list him a little less here. than that. But I'll get on uh, his twenty twenty one three twenty one. Okay, and Uso is three forty five. Yeah, he he's a big six dude. three. Yeah, and I think that they would be okay if he weighed a little bit less. But I think what impressed me. Um, not only hearing what Coach Tui said, but even prior to that, when Coach Klanderman, the coordinator, talked about him really taking a step, because that is such as as Tui said, it's such a position of toughness and mm-hmm. physicality and tone setting and those types of things. And we let's be honest, man, you know this. Every K State fan knows this. Eli Huggins was a very, very consistent, quality football player for K-State 
for the last four years, five years, but especially like the last three, he just assignment sound, tough, durable, always. I mean, just, you know what I mean? Really, really good. And, and the perfect guy to, as Tui said, too, to, to bring the others behind him, uh, you know, up to a higher level and a higher standard, too. I, I loved Eli Huggins. I'm going to miss him a lot, man. He is a really fine man and a good football player. Now, with Uso and Damian, very limited action. They're still looking to prove themselves. I think they're definitely going to get their licks in. Sure. This coming, you know, the rest of this spring and fall, we're going to see him on the field. I just, I, I hope it's a really tough, close battle. Because that just means the best, that's probably the best thing in the world then for K-State with Javon Banks coming in, who has played, what, three years in Mississippi yeah. State? And Limited that's, action. That's a big thing, though, the fact that he's been in a program, even if it's not here, for three years. And he understand. I mean, SEC football is pretty good too, <laughs> and I I still have really high hopes for him making marked improvement between now and say the first of September. I, I think he's more than capable of that. Um, and if 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 Uso is what they hope he is and they think he is, and then you've got Javon there and and, and Damian Ilalio, um you feel pretty good about that, even losing a guy like Eli Huggins. What has been your impressions of Javon Banks? Steady. Um, kind of understands the game. I think he's where he's – He kind of, this is maybe going to sound a little contradictory, contradictory, but I think he really knows football because he's played it a bunch, and yet he's still kind of finding his way right now in the way K-State does everything from a scheme standpoint and also from a practice standpoint. I'm just going to be honest with you here, pal. I I think all of these young kids or new players that come into this program and go through these reps with the way K-State practices, it's a little bit of an adjustment because there's not much wasted time and they go. And I think he's learning learning that. Now over to the defensive ends. Let's first hear from Buddy Wyatt their position coach, about what they got heading into or the rest of this spring, of course, and heading into the 2023 season. You know, we ha- we have some experience in there with Nate and, and Brendan uh, Mott, and now Duke came back into the defensive end room, so he brings some more experience. So we feel we have an experienced group. We also got Stufflebean, who's an experienced guy. Um, and then we added some. We've added some young guys like Donovan Ryman, who's who's a true freshman or redshirt freshman uh, this year. Um, he's doing he's doing some really good things this spring. And then you have we have a true freshman that came in in January named Ch- Chidi Opisov. Okay, and Chidi is going to be the prettiest thing you see out there because he's a good looking kid. He's six five, two hundred and fifty five pound kid. You know, uh, as a true freshman, and so and he and he's very athletic. He can move, and he still learned how to play the game. But we're really excited about him. And uh, last year we didn't have any everybody, nobody practicing spring ball hardly at the defensive end spot. Uh, we were using a deep snapper to play defensive end a year ago. But this year it's good to have every uh, most of them. We still Stuffelbean, Jace Region, 
and uh, Brendan Mott aren't participating in spring ball. Uh, but we got Nate, we got we got uh, Khalid, we have um, Donovan, we got Andrew Smelsley, uh, and we got Cheedy. We got those guys that are practicing, and I've been pleased with them. I mean, Do- Donovan probably because I didn't really know have know um, how you know where he was football wise, but he's he's done some things to to catch my eye. Um, I know what what Khalid could do. I know what Nate can do. Um, and then even Cheedy, he's learned how to play at this level. He, you know, he's got to get stronger. Um, but he's working extremely hard, and I see, you see flashes uh, that, uh, hey, this kid has a chance to be pretty good. When Mott got his chance, were you, you weren't surprised that he did as well as he did? Were you looking to see that? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I I, I was I was surprised <laughs> that he was that he went in there and played with the type of poise that he did with not having a lot of experience. So that part, and, but he played like he was a vet, like a five-year vet. <laughs> he was playing like, and then and it just took off, you know. And and so yeah, I was I was you know you know we knew we knew what Mott how hard he had worked to put himself in that position. And we was just so thrilled that it paid off for him, all that hard work paid off for him. Okay, so you lost your Doberman. I lost my Doberman. And, uh, but compare and contrast Felix and Khalid, how they are as players. Um, what, do they, what do they do similar and different? I think Felix, uh, is, his, he's just a skilled pass rush guy. He's, he can he can bend and he can run full speed with his pads down low. He generates a lot of power out of his lower body. He's not strong upper body wise, but he generates a lot of power. I think Khalid is more explosive, more powerful than Felix was. He's not as big as Felix, but he's more he packs a bigger punch than Felix. And then his pass rush is more with his quickness and his explosion where Felix was more just with his flexibility and being able to maneuver around the edges and things like that. Once again, that was defensive ends coach uh, Buddy Wyatt talking about Felix and uh, the the comparison with uh, Khalid Duke. Uh, They're what they bring on that right side of the defensive end position. Just goes with what I was saying last week, and that was I, I feel like defensive end is where Duke belongs. I know he did a great job at Sam last year and did play a little bit as a down three-point stance. I don't know if he jumps in the four-point stance or whatever, but as a defensive end, as a pass rusher, exploding off the line. I think when he explodes off the line, that's that's what he was meant to do, it feels like. Uh, I, I think that's accurate. I, I think Coach basically said that uh, when asked to compare Felix and, and uh, Khalid Duke. And, and I, you know... He just seems more at home there. And I think when you look at where he's at and having him back where he's most comfortable, then you have Nate Matlack and Brendan Mott when we get to the fall. Both of those guys uh, being healthy will be a monumental thing. So there's three really quality guys. Then he mentioned others, too, because Stufflebean played more football last year than, than maybe a lot of people might recognize and um, the the two young guys uh, I think they really think Ryman um, and Chidi Obiizor in, in time are going to be really really nice players uh, both are high motor guys both need to be stronger both though um, with that motor with those frames with strength and experience 
you're, you're going to see them play more and more and more as time goes on. Chidi Obiizor is the other guy on defense yeah. that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Because <laughs> I think yeah. when it comes to this last class, other than, of course, Avery Johnson, I think Chidi's film was the one I was impressed with the most. Other than Avery Johnson, yeah, and I think there there are a few other guys too. I suppose like Andre Davis. I mean, he he's a you know six three six four wide receiver with big hands, and he's got lots of capabilities, no question. But I, I agree with you on Chidi. You look at, you know, I've seen him now in practice more than any film I ever saw, and you see just <laughs> kind of the scraping off of the that outer edge there and once once that cocoon opens up and he flies out and gets comfortable and gets stronger look out we're gonna have another good defensive end on our hands yeah and he weighs in as a true freshman <laughs> 250 as a defensive yeah. end but it's just it's the height that you're like whoa he's six six <laughs> yeah six six yeah you you will like what he looks like yeah yeah yes he is a he's a very handsome young man he's got yeah. great hair i gotta say yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right, Wyatt, let's take a break. When we come back, let's jump into some K-State Hoops news because we found out the opponent for the Big East Big 12 battle, uh, and that's coming up next. We're out at 5 o'clock. I'm heading out to Toynton Family Stadium. Batcats in action. They're going to host the Crate Blue Jays tonight at the Toynt, as uh, Pete Hughes likes to call it, I believe. He calls it the Toynt. <laughs> uh, I used to call it the T, but I think the Toynt's a little bit better. 537-1350 uh, is our number. Phone lines are open for the next uh, nine-ish minutes or so. Mitch Fortner with the Hall of Fame voice of the Wildcats. Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland with us as well. A little basketball news. I did see this reported on Twitter by a couple of uh, media folks, I guess, that K-State will be hosting Central Arkansas this upcoming season. So add that, I suppose, to the schedule for what we know is going to be played. The big news from last week when it comes to hoops is not recruiting news. It's, it's another schedule piece. And that is the Big East Big 12 battle that will be played on December 5th for K-State. Their game will be against Villanova. That is a matchup that has not been played since the 1940s, and they've only had one meeting. Mm-hmm. But I do like I, – I, you know, I was hoping it wouldn't be Xavier or Marquette uh, just because you know those are teams that K-State has played the last you know 15 years or something. You want somebody really fresh. Sure. Especially when it's going to be played here in Manhattan. I think it was kind of known early on that it was going to be a home game for K-State this year since they played it at Butler this past year. Landing Villanova is really fun. I'll just put it that way. It feels really fun. And it's going to be a game that everybody's going to be very hyped for. Well, it's a big-name team. It's a team that's been in the big time recently. Three-time national champion. You know, Jay Wright's no longer there, but everybody knows what they were when he was there. Coach Neptune did an okay job in his first year winning 17 games, but they'll certainly be better, and they'll have a a representative team. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Going back to what you said there to start, I I think it's it's pretty obvious that you think right away with this matchup of maybe they would do K-State Xavier, you know, just because of, of the recent past. I didn't ever really think that Marquette was on the table this time because I think they wanted to pit Marquette in Texas just because of Shaka, yeah. Yeah. right? And it kind of worked out that way. Uh, there, there are some very interesting matchups this time, though, in that in that particular challenge. And I think 
it'll be good for both leagues. The Big East ended up, uh, as we know, uh, having the the national champion this year with UConn, and they were a good league this year with Creighton and Xavier was good again, and you know several others. So uh, looking forward to that. But I, I like one a home game, and two the fact that it is Villanova, and they've they've got a you know Wildcats on Wildcats. Well, I thought it'd be pretty cool if Creighton. Was sure. the opponent Creighton? Actually, yeah. they finished third place in the Big East NCAA tournament team, and they got bounced. What I felt like people thought was actually pretty early, even though they were a six seed. There, I think a lot of people thought this is a Sweet Sixteen type of team. If you're a three seed K State, you probably do not want to run into a team like Creighton. Exactly. And if that would have been the matchup in Manhattan, I think that would have been a lot of hype around that one as well. But I like the very fresh matchup with Casey and Villanova. Wildcats versus Wildcats, like you said. It's going to be a home game at, at Bramblage Coliseum. That'll be a very fired-up game. And it's a game, I think it happens, is it the next day or maybe a couple of days after the Big 12 championship for football Yeah, would be played that weekend, mm-hmm. I think? I don't yeah. know what day of the week. I think that's right. I'd have to look to make sure of the exact date, but I think that is right. Uh, let, me, let me call that up because I do think the championship game was – oh, it took me a second to get there, but – I will eventually get there, I promise. <laughs> that would be uh, December 2nd would be the title game, okay. I believe, and then th- that game is on the 5th. Yep, so it'll be yeah. a Tuesday. Uh-huh. And you mentioned earlier the the game with Central Arkansas. If you want to mark that one down, it is November 22nd. So, Okay, so who do we know – is on next year's schedule then. Well, you've got Central Arkansas. You've got the Villanova game, the two that we've mentioned. You've mm-hmm. got Wichita State and Kansas City. Okay. Uh, does Nebraska come here? I think Nebraska does come here. Okay. And I'm probably going to miss a couple that are already in the fold. Well, and then, of course, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the early season tournament. Yeah. The, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the tournament. Bahamar. I know exactly. Yeah, I'm blanking too. I was like, I think it's Bahamar. Okay. Yeah, where you have one game here in town, at Bramlage, and then two, uh, at the at the actual site, and that will be the Friday and Sunday, uh, surrounding the KU football game, uh, for K State in Lawrence. So, won't be able to make that trip this time. We were fortunate, uh, Stan and I, to get to the Grand Caymans last time, because uh, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday back Thanksgiving Day and play KU on Saturday, but this time it's a just a touch earlier and playing Friday Sunday is a lot different than Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when you got football yeah, no going. <laughs> but uh, that the Bahamar, you're right, yeah. uh, which is gonna be coming up on uh, November the seventeenth, November the nineteenth. Yep. Nassau Bahamas also features Miami. I don't know what Nigel Pack's plans are for this next season, but could potentially run into him, which would be very interesting. Sure. Yeah. It's. Um, they tell me that that will be a, a pretty good tournament in terms of teams. I haven't seen all of the teams listed just yet, uh, like some of the events have done, but uh, I did know Miami was there. I, I can't remember the others off the top of my uh, head. Providence. Oh, yeah, Providence. Providence will be uh-huh. another one. Yep. And then... I don't. I think there's Providence another just team. lost Ed Cooley. I saw them, yeah. uh, you know, before, and they they were good. They, yep. they, you know, they were good. A fourth team uh, will be announced at a late. Well, I mean, Providence was there when we were in Greensboro. Yep. And who they play in the first? Oh, Xavier. They played Xavier in the first round. That was a really good game. Mm-hmm. It felt like I think Providence was about. No, am I am I right about that? Were they playing Prof? I don't know why I'm blanking on all these things. Think because I'm getting things mixed up. I think they played Providence in the uh, second 
second round. Oh, was that? Okay. I think that's right. You know what? I might have it here. Well, did Providence – was that against Iowa State then? Yeah, let's look. I've One of the worst games it. ever. <laughs> where Iowa State couldn't score a bucket. You know, would they break 40 points? That was the big question. I was like, God, what in the world is going on with Iowa State? All of a sudden, they can't hit a shot. Yeah, you got, uh, let's see, Xavier beat uh, Kennesaw State, Xavier yeah. Pittsburgh. Had Texas, to be Iowa Texas State. Texas beat, yeah, and Iowa State. Okay. Yep. There we go. Minds work funny sometimes. I want to give a shout out to the K-State Classy Cats as we uh, wrap up here for the second straight year. Your Classy Cats, national champions. Good they them. win the College Classic Division One Palm National Championship in Orlando, Florida for the second straight year. So congratulations to Sarah Heptig and your K-State Classic Cats on winning another national championship. We're back with you next Monday for Wildcat Insider. For Travion White, I'm Mitch. Go Cats. K-State Baseball at 530. Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider.